tune that I most definitely from. This baby, huh? Next. Thank you, little young team, and and I'm back to Cleveland. Off season. Huh? Now we'll lose the Astros in five. (laughs) You've given all this time to prepare. Mm. When I say, who warmed up in the ninth last night? Yeah. Garrett Cole. Warmed up in the ninth as it got a little interesting, but uh, you got to have a little bit of drama. Yeah, no, no, it was good. Uh, Cortez was good, and the Yankees played long ball. A um, couple of home runs, Stanton and Judge, and they uh, beat uh, the Indians to win Game Five, five to one. A series that took three months to finish, and on to Houston tonight for Game One after Game One of the National League uh, Championship Series last night over on FS One. Go find it over there. Yeah, for real. <laughs> oh, how about Costas for getting the 09 championship and being torched? He comes back at the break. Before my phone blows up even more, let me remind you. Yeah. Bob moves to the studio as Brian Anderson heads back into the broadcast booth. Well, this was, you know, BA didn't like the call before the series. Wait, I'm sorry. Wait, Bob's just going to do that? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's okay. Anyway. Um. Yeah, I can have some joy, right? Absolutely, I can absolutely. have some joy. Yeah. You know, look, look. Season's not a uh, success yet, as we, given the Astros some extra days to line up all the wires and garbage cans and God knows what else they've set up in that stadium to help them. I mean, there's also the fact that your Rangers are doing great. Yeah. Uh, your Knicks haven't lost yet. Exactly. Winning. Well, not you're not under 500. Yeah. So there's all that. What's well, not well, like? I mean, I was good about uh, the Yankee win yesterday. And yeah. They should have beaten the Guardians, and, and they did, coming down from 2-1 to win the series. So happy about that. And on we go. On to Houston, as Bill Belichick would say. We're, we'll see what happens against the uh, cheating Astros. <laughs> what? No, that guy's not there anymore. Uh, the second baseman? Yeah, but the guy, the ringleader, Lou now, he's, he's owning soccer teams now, man. Did you just, did, actually, did you see that piece? Why are that guy's wearing What? Did you read that piece, actually? Sports Illustrated about no, him? No, I didn't. It's actually really good. You should check so it out. So the former Astro executive that now is working for... Yeah, he, uh, he runs a couple of soccer teams now. Why not? It's actually a really good story. Okay. Recommend it. All right. Anyway, so uh, I brought you a gift today. You did? Yes, thank you. Um, because when Scott and I made a bet the other day about what Colin Cowherd would lead his Monday show with, I was ready. He bought me an orange. I actually bought Scott if I lost the bet, and then I left it in my car, and I gave it today. What did I get you? You got me a pack of nerds. What? What nine year old doesn't like a pack of nerds? Whoa! whoa, whoa. I just had a what? birthday. But you eat those, right? Ten. Yes. You like that? I do. Yes. Yeah. So then Scott comes in complaining today, which I knew he complained on two fronts. One, the weather. Oh my God! It's so cold. So Since cold. it was beautiful and in the 50s this Freezing. And then Scott had told me that yesterday, he said today, he was getting up for an early morning workout. Yes. 
for someone, and Scott does a number of things, spin classes and other stuff, not that working out to him, but the early morning workout, which is very much a different psychological approach. Yeah. So uh-huh. what happened? What, what time are you supposed to get up? I had an alarm for 4.50. Okay. I was awake at 1.30, 2 o'clock, 2.45, and then... That's a brain takeover, meaning even though your alarm is set, your mind is thinking about yes. getting up, and, and so therefore that's what happens. Correct. So you barely slept. Barely slept. And then when it goes off at 4.50, you're like... I'm, you're, but... I'm already awake. I was right. already awake when the alarm went off. Okay, and... Uh, and then I'm like, I, I am always of the, I have to eat something before I do a workout. And I know that there are other people, I was talking to Kelly about this, like, he's like, no, you just go, you, you just. pork sandwich? Yeah, uh, I, just, I made a bagel, bagel with cream cheese. All right. I just, I just want something in my stomach. Okay. And then I'm like pounding Gatorade and water to just be hydrated for this class. And then I realized, like, I have a routine, like, I like to leave my house 30 minutes before the class starts. Yeah. And then it's like, I if I'm going to keep doing these, I don't. There's no one on the road at 5:15 in the morning that I could I could leave my apartment 10 minutes before the class starts. Okay. All right. So, so when you went out, it's dark. You kind of felt like Rocky, like you want to eat some raw eggs and run down the street. No, my first thought is it's freezing. Why did I agree to do this? Because right. I'm in I'm in shorts. So, so you show up for the spin class, right? I was the third car in the parking lot. Is it like a different group of people that are doing the early morning spin class? Or, um, yeah. There's some familiar faces. Yeah. Um, and actually, I was talking to uh, one of the other instructors uh, a few weeks ago, and she was like, you let me know when you do an early morning class, and I will come. And yeah, like, like she, right. uh, she came to, and there was another one of the instructors there. But let me there. ask you a question, like I yeah. told you. When you got done, you felt pretty good. You're I like, did, yeah. Got the workout in, they hasn't even started. Oh, no, it's great. Here is now, how often are you doing this? You're not doing this every day. Uh, I don't know. The thing is, my girlfriend she can only take the morning classes right now with her work schedule. So it's like anytime I'll be able to go with her, I will. the The thing is, I was already planning on taking two rides this afternoon. Taking two rides this afternoon. And um, there's a there's a window for cancellation where you don't get a fee. Uh oh. And the window has passed. So you got to go or you lose it. So I'm committed right. to a 5.30 and a 6.45 class tonight. Good for you. Yeah. It's fine. It's, it is what it is. I know people, I was talking to somebody and they were like, you don't need to work out. I'm like, I mean, it's more of a mental health thing for me. I've told you this, that uh, what this has done for me is just like therapy. Yeah. All right. Well, but, but, uh, here's the thing. It was a great, it was a great class. And uh, uh, positive vibes. We ride as a tribe. All right. Yeah, we did. We go. did nice. Uh, we did nice picture afterwards after the ride. Mm. Felt good. And yeah, now on for the rest of the day. I wrote something that I want to talk about here, and I can't read it. You can't read your own handwriting. No. You're getting more. You're getting. This is like a daily thing now with you, buddy. I think it's an ask to start it, but I don't know what the rest of it is. Mm-hmm. You a doctor writing prescriptions? No. Yeah, no. No. Can't help you out there. Probably something pretty good, but I, I, I can't read it. You got to... Uh, I think I, it's a C in it, too. Maybe an N? And then know. an ampersand? I don't know. Uh, no idea what it is. You got your you got your costume uh, all figured out for this weekend? My costume for this weekend? Sp- oh, your uh, spooky, spooky thing? Spooky Empire, yeah. hello? No, I know you do, though. Uh, for I've got Saturday figured out. i got to figure out Sunday. Okay. Yeah. All right. Neat. I got to tell you, though, Movie Wednesday this week, I'm bringing it. 
Well, okay. I sent you. I said, hey, for Movie Wednesday, I want to do this. Because I went down one of those Twitter wormholes uh, uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Somebody posted something about a movie. And I, I, I clicked that on because I like that movie. And next thing you know, I'm like, wait a minute. I got a good idea for this. And uh-huh. we'll save it for Movie Wednesday. And then I go, well, you know what? Scott, you do one of these as well. And then when you read it, where you're like, oh, this is good. And then you started putting your list together. And you're like, it's good, right? Took me. Uh, the thing is, is like, I like put it together so fast. And then I was, you did? I, I said to my girlfriend about, like, I want to rewatch all these movies now. See? Yeah. yeah there you go. I, the our, thing is, I wonder how many crossovers we have yeah so uh tonight the magic begin their season yeah let's taking go. on the detroit pistons um we have coverage of the magic season opening game yes coverage at, at 6 30 well it begins at 6 with magic drive time 6 30 with uh pre-game show and then tip off just after seven okay uh magic season opening game at detroit uh, we've got that for you call them up at 96 in the game.com going to get to that just a little bit uh, Keith Smith's going to talk some more basketball with us at about uh, ten fifteen for his weekly visit. Two NBA games last night: the Celtics beat the Sixers, and the Golden State Warriors got their championship rings and then beat the uh, Lakers uh, last night. Gary Myers, the veteran NFL writer, has been a guest on our show a number of times. Author of a couple of different books on Tom Brady, he'll share his thoughts on what's been going on with Brady lately, as well as the resurgence of the Giants and the Jets and. Some other NFL thoughts from uh, Gary. Uh, movie Wednesday, a little bit later on in the program uh, today. So, yeah. I was on a Greenville radio station yesterday. Nice. Previewing the football game. Mm-hmm. We taped it. Yeah. And then they played it back. Okay. So there was no question about, hey, how about Gus and that barbecue line? <laughs> Brandon Helwig, uh-huh. who covers UCF, asked Gus, You've been to Greenville, and Gus said, uh, you know, recruiting, and then said, you know, what about the crowd? And Gus said, you know, we expect a you know really good crowd there, and ECU draws really well, uh, over forty thousand. And uh, and then Brandon said, you know, do you have a particular barbecue you like? They're known for vinegar-based barbecue, and 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 Gus was like, oh, I, I didn't know that, and of course that now has gone viral in 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 Greenville. Like, oh, you don't know what Greenville or uh, North Carolina barbecue is? And then Mike Houston, their coach, was asked. You know, Gus Malzahn said this, and he didn't. Uh, he just said, well, we'll have to get him some barbecue. Then it was interesting. Houston is, he goes, we got some really good barbecue places here. And then he mentioned a new place that opened, which is actually a chain based in Oklahoma. Oh, no. Well, he goes, we got Mission Barbecue, which is good barbecue, but yeah. it's not Carolina-based. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and actually, the broadcast team is going to a barbecue joint. A barbecue place that I've been to that mm. Chris Gentry recommended highly recommends mm-hmm. so now we have a barbecue gate I think going on but I was going to have the listeners text in some food oh, they can text whatever you want yeah we I mean we already know where we're going oh, okay apps is there an app for the place we're going you mean appetizers appetizers yeah I don't know yeah I don't know you guys are going to like split Split something? Depends how many people are going. You know me, I'm not a big split appetizer guy. Mm-hmm. You get your appetizer, it's yours. If you offer, and it's a large plate of something, but otherwise, uh, you know. Again, six cheese sticks, I'm not taking anything off your appetizer. You know, And usually if I order my app, I don't want to share with you. I could see that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, when we come back, the Magic begin a new season. Uh, you're supposed to do predictions and put a number on their wins and all sorts of things like text that. Text us now your predictions you for the could, Magic season. You could text Scott 
all you want. I'll write them down. <laughs> text him on the text line. Text him on his phone. Uh, text your friend. It's all fine. Um, but a thought on the season to be for the Magic, and we'll do that next. The Bean of Sports, Amar Daniels on this uh, Wednesday, brought to you by our good friends at Florida Citrus Sports. Present our countdown to bowl time college football segment on a weekly basis. Uh, log on to FloridaCitrusSports.com. Learn about the upcoming Florida Blue Florida Classic. Tickets and full schedule information there. And uh, never too early to start planning for bowl season. And all the information available at FloridaCitrusSports.com. Uh, column today up at 969thegame.com is magic prediction is change or what's the point now i as i wrote we talked yesterday and even last week and i mentioned a mic on uh the bridge so i'm excited for the start of a new season like every fan is when a year begins and i want the magic to do well i mean i love my beloved knicks but when the magic do well it's good for this show this station this town and i i, I do root for the magic uh, and I have the same optimism as I think most fans. I'm excited to watch Paolo Boncara play. I think that he could be a face of the franchise the team is desperately looking for. I think Franz Wagner was one of the NBA's best rookies last year. I think actually two things about his offseason. One, I'm a bit concerned about how much he did play in Eurobasket and if it does impact the start of his season. But the experience was huge for him. And not just because he played against other players considered among the world's best, but played effectively. And I think could make that next big step where you look and go, this guy is all-star potential, and you got that one right. Uh, I think Wendell Carter Jr. is Nick Vucevic-like in the sense of, well, they do things differently He'll be very serviceable for the Magic at that position. May never be an all-star, but he's going to be a productive player for them. I like Cole Anthony as a person because I think he's fun. Um, not just because he goes to UCF games, but um, he's a fun guy to, to, to cheer for. I don't know if he'll ever be an all-star player. He may end up being best as a role player uh, for the Magic. Uh, and then it's the list of players that you're hoping become better. Will Jonathan Isaac at some point play? I root for Jonathan Isaac. I don't blame Jonathan Isaac for the injuries that he has suffered. Um, the data tells you of players that have gone through what he has gone through, it's not likely that he'll get back to the level that he played at before he got hurt. Maybe he'll give them something. Markel Fultz, when healthy at times, makes you feel like that's a pretty good basketball player. He's played 26 games in two years. Um, I don't know how you can then jump and go, well, okay, once he gets the toe thing, then he'll be fine for, and I'm making up another the remaining 70 games. Then maybe he misses less than 12. I, I don't know, but a, a, until one plays over stretch of, time, and that's got to be more than 5, 10, 20, 40 games. I don't know. Uh, Mo Bamba. They chose to bring Mo Bamba back. Mo Bamba's last third of the season was actually really productive. If you want to dig into analytics, is that the guy the Magic brought back? Uh, did Mo 
just feel comfortable here. Maybe he didn't get better financial offers, but he was quick to say, no, no, I'll come back. It's a, it's a friendly deal for the Magic. Um, what is his role? What, what, what will he be in a game-by-game basis? So you go down the roster and do Terrence Ross is still here, and I, I didn't think Terrence Ross would still be here. I thought they would have moved the veteran player by now. So Jamal Mosley's easy to root for. He seems like a really nice guy. So we can predict numbers all we want in 10 o'clock hour, WYGM Orlando, WJRRHD2, Cocoa Beach, Orlando sports leader, Mar Daniels in the beat of sports. Um, 38, 35, 34, 31, 29, 41, 32. Okay, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think I said to Mike, 34. Um it's fine. The team has won 43 games in its last two seasons and has to get better. I mean, that's that's pretty obvious. You don't need me to, 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 to tell you that um, because the number is what uh, the number is. And maybe the Magic win 40. Or, again, they've won 40 through the last two years. So as I wrote today... Change is inevitable and everything, but for the man, you just want change. Meaning, the things that I just said, you know, yeah, change. Get a franchise player. Maybe Paolo becomes that guy. Uh, Change their shooting. I don't know. They didn't really make significant changes by upgrading the team when it comes to shooters. Can guys get better? Yeah, I I guess you can, but I, I still don't expect the Magic to be a very good shooting basketball team. Change your luck, meaning... Uh, win a few more games instead of losing those close games. That could be the difference of being in the hunt to uh, make the play-in round, uh, change their luck in injuries, and not have guys miss significant time because of injuries. Uh, that needs to change. So all that stuff for the Magic has to change to get better. Like, Pottle needs to be good. He needs to be somebody that on a night-to-night basis, you're getting somebody worthy of the number one pick of the draft. Whatever the stats are, that as we get into game 20 and game 40 and game 60, you know that's a really good player. That guy has star potential. And again, for Franz, I I, I think there's another step there for him that you're like, that's a potential uh, all-star. And at some point, I've said many times, you have to know those are the two or three guys that we're building around. That, that you know they're going to be really good, and now we'll put pieces. This guy's a, a role player. This guy is the veteran that we need in the locker room and all that stuff. Uh, for X number of years, I've said, if, if you keep telling me that there are eight, nine really good young players, you don't have a team that can win in the NBA. You don't. You have a team that often ends up in the lottery. So... Will those players emerge, and, and you've got two or three guys that by the end of this season, that's who the Magic believe the core are. And like Mike asked me about free agents, free agents haven't won a sign here because the team wasn't winning. I mean, some guys go grab the money, but if you can grab the money and go to a contending team, uh, that's the route people take. And that second-tier free agents, those key role players, the, you know, the great outside shooter, the great lockdown defender that you have not been able to attract because... You aren't winning now. Maybe you do attract because you have gotten better. The other point that I wrote about, and I brought this up before, and I've said this, um, Rich DeVos 
passed away years ago. Rich DeVos didn't sit courtside every game. He did go to games, and people could see Rich DeVos was there. And and um, whether you agreed or disagree with some of his decisions on the Magic, and I don't care if you agree, disagree, on whatever his family's beliefs are, the way they ran their business, that's separate. Um, Rich passed away, and Magic ownership, for the most part, the face of Magic ownership, has been Alex Martins. He doesn't own the team. Um, Dan DeVos is the recognized name on the NBA ledger of NBA owners or board of governors or whatever we call them these days. Um, and most people couldn't pick out Dan DeVos in a lineup other than, oh, that guy's got a nice suit on. He looks like he's got a lot of money. Uh, if he did a press conference, the Magic would not win 15 more games this year. Um, I just think sometimes a fan base wants to believe that their ownership is emotionally as invested as they are. And it's not that the Magic have been cheap. The Magic have spent money when they felt they needed to. And being realistic, you could have a ton of cap space, but if no quality player wants to come play for you, um, you have to start winning. The franchise was bought for $85 million in 1991. It's probably worth anywhere from $1.5 to $2 billion, and who knows where we're going with the real valuations. You don't know what something's worth until you actually try to sell it. But my guess is that's what the Magic franchise would be worth. It's not a bad return for $85 million. I don't think the DeVos family is selling anytime soon. But Alex Martins has been the face of this franchise by choice. The DeVos family made Alex in his role as CEO. Um... I like Alex as a, a a business friend in the sense that we've crossed paths. Alex started as the first media relations director for the Magic, and I got to know him in the early days. Alex left to go work for the Hornets and the Browns and came back. Has been with the Magic since late 05 and in 06 uh, in the role. Well-respected in the NBA. Often gets blamed for basketball decisions that really doesn't fall under his responsibilities, but he's the face that's known to it. Dan DeVos doesn't choose to uh, hang out a lot at Magic games. You don't have to have Mark Cuban or Steve Ballmer uh, on a sideline kind of screaming, but I do think fans that have been asked to be patient for more than a decade, uh, I do think fans feel a little bit more comfortable when they get a sense that their owner is somewhat engaged emotionally. And as I wrote, and I was talking with Mike, I think the next several years will be interesting regarding the Magic. I don't think they're selling, but I do think there's another generation of the DeVos family, siblings of Dan DeVos, Dick DeVos's brother, Betsy DeVos, the sister-in-law, that you'll see around a little bit more. And maybe there is some transition plan in the coming years of a younger generation. I don't know if that's good or bad. I have no idea. Uh, there have been more members of the DeVos family at team meetings and a little bit more engaged. I don't know if that's the reason Alex Martin's name emerged as a candidate for the Big 12 commissioner's position, which Brett Yormark got, uh, got, depending who you ask, that may have been a name that was thrown out there, or maybe what do you think about that? Alex has been on the board at UCF, has played a significant role in a number of things that have helped athletics, um, and was even a name that people talked about before Dr. Cartwright got hired in the president's role, whether that was a real scenario uh, or not. I don't know. Maybe Alex at some point feels like his time with the Magic uh, has been well served. 
But I do think that's interesting to watch in the next three to five years. I don't think they're selling. And again, that's not the difference of the team winning 15 more games this year. But again, I, I think fans like to know that their owner is somewhat engaged. And I think this ownership has been a little bit out of sight, uh, out of mind. But as for this year, whatever number you want to put, if it begins with a six or five followed by another number, then I think you're a little bit overly optimistic. If you want to put a number that starts with a four, that's fine. Uh, be overly optimistic as well, within reason. I don't know what that number is. Like I like I always say, I'm big on the journey. You know, and, and if the year ends and the Magic are playing competitive basketball games in March and into April, and you can look at the standings and say, uh, this is what you need for 10th place. They're two games back with eight to go. They got five games against teams that are also fighting there and playing meaningful games. And you look up and it's uh, early April and Paulo's had an, uh, a rookie of the year type season and Franz Wagner's even better and whoever else, Jalen Suggs, has really emerged or Markel Fultz got healthy, uh, then that's a good season, even if they don't make the play-in. And they got really competitive and, and, and got eliminated with two games to go. And you look and go, that's a team that made strides, and that's a good year. If if it's um, late February, and the team is eighteen games under five hundred or twenty two games under five hundred, and all of a sudden guys are just now not playing because of left calf contusions, and it becomes obvious that we are pivoting towards, and we don't have a set name on the Wembayama sweepstakes, do we? I mean, we haven't settled on that. Not yet. Go winless for Wemba. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Um, but it, but but if it becomes kind of obvious that wow, that seems like a long time for that broken pinky nail uh, to not be playing, then that's not a good year. <laughs> then uh, it would be a wasted season. And I think as a fan base, and I've defended Magic fans for the decade, but I think the Magic fans uh, have been great. You've been asked to be patient for a third rebuild since the Dwight trade and have been very loyal. And I think have proven that if given a product that has a chance to win on a nightly basis, uh, the Magic fan base uh, is really good and supports their team. Yeah, but I go to games and I see fans of other teams. Yeah, because the Magic haven't won. When the Magic have won, for those that have been here, not just in the you know, the odd COVID year, but but the, the, the playoff year, um, it's great support for the Magic. And then you go back to Dwight and, and those earlier success for you. It's great. Great fan base. Give them a product that they believe can go out and win on a nightly basis, and they'll support just like every other town. You know, don't believe that crap that the Knicks sell out every game. I mean, the Knicks, yeah, they sell out corporate tickets, plenty of empty seats, and Nick games by the time they've gotten to February, March, and April in recent years. Um, so... I, I, I look forward to the start of the season tonight, and hopefully they get off to a really good start, and we are engaged throughout the season. It's more fun. Like I've said the last couple of years, it is hard to, and I did not care to participate in the, I know they lost by 18, but you got to like the Chumo Kiki minutes at the end of the third quarter. That, 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 there's nothing fun about that. You know, so I hope it's a really good year. Scott's got him winning 65 games. This is true. I do. Over the next three, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, no, I mean, I mean, uh, you know, 
45 wins, rookie of the year, most improved player of the I, year. Again, you can do all that. Coach of the year. I, it's fine. It's fine. Like I just said, journey matters. Give Magic fans meaningful basketball games in March and April. No, just you, give them games, and, and and that's a good sign. Because that means that some of the things we just talked about are going in the right direction. You know what I want, Mark? What's the one thing that you say that a Magic fan looks forward to three times a year? Uh, the draft, the draft lottery, and the schedule release. Oh no, opening night. Oh, opening night. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I want I want to look forward to more things throughout the year. Right. Well, like I said, you want to listen. Short term goals. You want to play meaningful games after Christmas. No, no, no. After Valentine's Day. After trade deadline. And St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. I mean, if you're playing meaningful games on those days, then then that's a good sign. So. Uh, check out the column at 96 on the game.com. 13 times a day on this station, you'll hear a keyword uh, that you could win $1,000. When you hear that keyword, go to 96 of the game.com, enter that keyword. It's right there on the main page, and you might win $1,000. And who couldn't use $1,000 we head towards the holiday season? Uh, coverage of UCF football begins at 5.30 on Saturday. The Knights are in Greenville, home of East Carolina Barbecue. Uh, kickoff set for 7.30 of a big football game for UCF. More hoops on a national scale with some thoughts also on the magic from our friend Keith Smith. That's next. The Bay of Sports, Mark Daniels, brought to you by our friends at Seminole Power Sports, number one in fast fun, Reinhardt Road in Sanford, Highway 441 in Eustis, online at com. Talk some basketball, and uh, Keith Smith uh, joins us uh, on these Wednesdays at this time. He's on Twitter, at Keith Smith NBA. Follow his work at Spot Rack, Celtic Blog, Front Office Show, and much, much more. Happy start of the season, Keith. How are you? Uh, thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited. Last night's fun, but tonight's when it gets really fun. You've got you know almost a full slate of games, and you can uh, football around the league path style and everything. This is when it gets good. Let me start. Before I get to the games last night, um, is this a, a, a deeper year where there's a greater number of teams you think that can win? Uh, how many teams do you think have a realistic chance to win the title? Yeah, I think this year has more parity at the top of the league than I can remember in maybe the last decade or so. It's been somewhat wide open by the time we get to the playoffs, but you generally feel like there's maybe four or five teams that can win. I think starting this year, we've got at least eight teams that feel like, hey, we don't even need things to go perfect for us to, to win a championship. We just need to be pretty good teams and, and do what we do. I think, you know, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Boston, uh, maybe Brooklyn in, in the East. And then I think in the West, you've got Golden State, obviously. You've got Phoenix. Uh, you've got Denver and the Clippers. I think all those teams feel like we, we've got a chance to win this, and that's going to make this a really, really fun season. Who's the overvalued and undervalued team in both the East and West as we start the year? Yeah, I think overvalued, and this is not a wild overreaction to last night in the East. I think Philadelphia, um, they, they've got some questions they, they, they've got to answer. They, Yes, they, they should be much better than they looked last night uh, as the year gets going. But I think that's a team that um, they're older. I, I don't necessarily love all their depth pieces. And they did not add anything behind Joel Embiid um, that, that makes me feel confident if he goes down that they're going to be able to get through that stretch. And we know he's a good bet to miss you know, 15, 20, 30 games 
in a season. So I'm a little worried about them. In the West, I, it, it, it's tough. I, I think uh, if I wanted to go for a legit title contender, I think maybe Phoenix. Um, you know, might be a little bit overvalued in the Western Conference. I think people are a little bit down on the Clippers for some reason. I'm not sure why I, they're my pick to get to the NBA Finals uh, out of the West. And I think to some extent people were down a little bit on the Celtics. Um, that one's a little more understanding because all the drama they went through at the very end of the offseason. But they've got all the pieces, and eventually Robert Williams will be back. They added Malcolm Brogdon. They, they're still going to be a very formidable team. Let's get to the two games that were played last night. You pay close attention among the year to the Celtics. I don't want to put too much in one basketball game, but there are a lot of eyes, as you mentioned, for all the offseason stuff for the Celtics and some new faces that came in. Uh, I'll get Blake Griffin credit. He doesn't age physically, but, but nonetheless, it's odd to see him in that uniform. What did you take out of the Boston-Philly game last night? Yeah, I thought you saw uh, the Celtics kind of pick up where they left off. Um, you know, they, they, they played really well. Their defense was was a little bumpy. That was mostly uh, integrating new big men, uh, Noah Vonley, Blake Griffin, uh, into their rotations. There were some missed stuff there, and that's going to happen early in the season. They'll get that sorted out. Um, but I think Jason Tatum, he's got another leap in him. He's already you know first-team All-NBA. He is a superstar in the league. But to really go to the next level, which is to be in the MVP conversation, he needed to get a little bit stronger around the basket. He needed to be a little bit more crafty with the way he draws fouls and finishes. He's added a little floater this year, which is a new shot for him um, that he's going to take. I think you know, you'll see it's a handful of times per game. And then you saw him really focus on getting low, getting his shoulder the guys. Jalen Brown is looks like he's ready to make a push for all NBA this season. And then for the rest of those guys, they've got really good depth. Malcolm Brogdon really gives them exactly what they could have used last year at times in the playoffs, which is another steady, reliable shooter, ball handler, playmaker, the guy who can just do things, get things calmed down. So they're going to be good. They're going to be tough this year. Uh, I want to ask you, Golden State, the Lakers, and again, be careful of one game. The Warriors get their rings and so forth. But somebody looks and goes, how do they build that roster? All those guys signed to big deals, and then you look at the rotation. How do they do it when they supposedly have no money? On the Warriors? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's um, Well, they draft and develop better than just about anybody else in the league. Last year's championship Warriors team had eight players that they drafted um, themselves on that team. And, you know, yes, they, they, you know, Steph Curry fell to them, but they got Clay Thompson. They got Draymond Green in the second round. Uh, the last couple of years, they, 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 when they, or not last couple of years, but two years prior to last year when they uh, went through what I call their gap years when they struggled, they were able to really hit on a couple good looking draft picks there. And then they've made some smart decisions. This is not the people want to equate them to like the late nineties, early two thousands Yankees who just went and bought every free agent available and traded for guys when other teams couldn't afford them. That's not what they've done. They've only traded for Andrew Wiggins and they did that by uh, turning a salary slot into another one, into another one. And then they got Wiggins. Um, so that is, you know, they built that roster really smart and then they've committed to it and said, Hey, you know, what? it's going to be really expensive, but we want to keep winning. We're going to keep, keep paying for it. Um, again, an overreaction for the Lakers. The theory is great players make those around them better, but sometimes great players need those around them to make them better. The Lakers just aren't a very good roster. 
yeah, it's not a good roster at all. They, they, they somehow built a roster with a million guards and none of them can shoot, which doesn't even make any sense at all. It, it, uh, the second straight year, a very faulty roster construction. And, you know, I've seen a, me- a million people say things to the extent of, well, what were they supposed to do? They don't have any money to spend. And, and the reality is the reason why they're there is because they made the Russell Westbrook trade a year ago. Um, when you traded a bunch of mid-range contracts and guys who were pretty good players for the one max player and it didn't work, you really kind of hamstrung yourself. Now, they got to get through this year, but we'll see if they have the patience to ride out the Westbrook deal, say, hey, maybe it's another down year, or they look at it and say, all right, we don't know how many more years of LeBron, you know, being LeBron, we, we really have left here. Let's trade Westbrook. Let's eat into our salary cap space for next year. Let's make the move that's going to help us right now. That's the question. But that roster, as it stands today, this is not an overreaction to last night. It's just a reality. It is an absolute mess. One more team to ask you about that maybe people are either undervaluing or maybe the window has closed. And that's Milwaukee. We celebrated a team that won a championship uh, with Giannis, and few people think the Bucks will be serious players when we get to June. Yeah, I think we like to move on to what's shiny and new a, a little bit. And I think there's an there's a sense of, well, Giannis has been there for a while. He's established now as one of the best players in the league. For my In my opinion, I think he's the best player in the world uh, on a regular uh, game-to-game basis now. I just don't think there's anybody else that can do what he can do. It's just the fact that Milwaukee prioritizes, are we going to keep him healthy, that they're not going to run him out there for 75, 80 games a year. Um, they, they're missing Chris Middleton to open the air, so that's a little bit of a question mark. But as long as they get him back and he's able to be himself, they're going to be really tough. I, I think you could give me you know, equal odds on them, Boston, maybe Philly if they figure it out. And I don't really know what to make of Brooklyn uh, fully. It's either going to go great or it's going to go horribly. Um, but if it goes great, give me equal odds on any one of those four teams to get out of the East, and I'm not going to argue with you very much. I think the Bucks have a chance to be really good this year. Let me get some thoughts. Uh, the Magic begin tonight against uh, the Pistons. And, um, I, I mean, I said this. I wrote about this. I mean, preseason numbers are fine. Whatever you want to pick, 31, 34, 38, 40. I just think you want to see the journey be such that they're playing meaningful basketball games late in the year. Um, give me your thoughts on that. And and, and Paulo and whether it's Franz Wagner and somebody else, I just think at some point you've got to identify, here's the two, three guys you're really building around. You can't have ten guys you're building around. Yeah, it's that last part for me is the most important part of this season, and that's why it's, so important that Jalen Suggs got healthy and is going to be on the floor to open the year. This is about figuring out all right, who are our guys moving forward? Who are the pieces who fit together on this roster as we, we push in? Because you're absolutely right. It's not going to be this magic group as constructed today, these you know 10 to 15 guys, that's not going to be the group that is this is it, we're locked in, it's going to be. It's going to be maybe four or five of those guys. A couple of them will be role players. Hopefully a couple turn into potential all-star type guys. But I I think that's the the name of the game. And to your point, you want to be playing meaningful basketball, meaning you're not necessarily pushing for a playoff spot, but you're you're playing – uh, games that, that matter, may, maybe on the edge of the playing race or something, right around the trade deadline and have a good sense of, of where you are. I, I know some people might be saying, oh, bottom it out and go get Victor Wembanyama or go get Scoot Henderson. I think for the Magic, they've got some guys in place. They've got a boatload of cap space. 
if they want it this coming summer. So I think this is the kind of year where let's show some, some real progress that we're moving things forward. And then what we can do is in the summer, maybe that's when we make the move of, all right, let's go get a guy or two to go with the kids, take us that next level and get back to being a playoff team. Because I don't think they're as far away as a lot of people might think. Uh, Keith's on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. Find the links to all of his work there. The NBA season underway in a full slate of games uh, tonight. Thank you, Keith. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Enjoy the basketball. We'll, we'll do that. Veteran NBA writer Gary Myers has written uh, a couple different times on uh, Tom Brady and books and the family that he knows well. We'll share some thoughts about whatever may be going on with Brady, plus why the resurgence of the Jets and Giants in New York and some other NFL notes from the veteran Gary Myers next. The Beta Sports Bar Daniels on this Wednesday. We're brought to you by our good friends at Hale Hill and Jacobson. I'm at HHJLegal.com. Richard Hill, our sports law expert, joins us on Fridays, and we'll have with him uh, a couple of days. A lot of things happening in sports and uh, law. Gary Myers has been a guest on our show before. Uh, longtime uh, writer, author, has covered the NFL for many, many years. Gary's been on to talk about Tom Brady. He's written the book Brady versus Manning. He's uh, done extensive uh, work on uh, Tom Brady, his dad, podcasts, and uh, has a book coming out in 2023, Once a Giant, a look back at the 1986 Giant season. And uh, Gary's kind of joined us to chat to today. Gary, good morning. How are you? Mark, how are you doing this morning? I'm good because the Yankees won yesterday, Gary. I, I, you know, I'm sorry the Mets are not playing, but <laughs> I feel good. Today. Yeah, I mean, you know, being a lifelong New Yorker, I'm – and, and never having to cover baseball, so I can still be a baseball fan. Um, I'm a huge Mets fan. I have been my entire life. Um, I like to see the Yankees win only because it makes things exciting around here, but I, I certainly don't live and die with them. How do you view a Mets season like that? It's so crazy because if I said before, the other guy went 100 games, you'd be like, okay, I'll take it. But then to watch the story unfold mm-hmm. makes it bittersweet. Yeah, it sure does. I mean, they won more games than three out of the four teams that are still playing, and um, it's very, it was very disappointing. They won 101 games. They couldn't even win the division um, after losing that, all three games of that series in, in Atlanta on the second-to-last weekend, or in the last weekend of the season, rather. Um, and then to lose in the playoffs to a team that won like 10 or 12 fewer games than they did uh, – you know, during the regular season, to lose to them in the wild card round with all three games at home. I mean, that was, you know, very unexpected. But uh, life goes on. I think that um, I, I've told my friends, I have a, a, a really good friend who's a huge Yankee fan. I said, you care more about it than the players do. You know, they lose a tough game, they're out having a drink after the game or going to dinner, and you can't fall asleep. I mean, something is wrong there if the fans care more than the players. And I, I truly believe that they do. I do agree with that, but I also think it's what has us addicted to sports. It's it, it just something like that. Let me ask you your view, as I mentioned, about Tom Brady. You've covered Tom and his family extensively, and now you watch mm-hmm. from a certain distance what has happened in Tampa. It's not like the Bucks are 1-5, in five, but because of what was this offseason for Brady that was so publicized, so different, Gary, than many uh, years for Tom Brady, now he's under a microscope more. So give me your vision of what's happened of the offseason and now with Tom Brady. Yeah, I, I haven't spoken to Tom in quite a while. Um, and I haven't spoken to him at all since he's been in Tampa. You know, once I completed that book, 
I, I'd see him every now and then. It's a Jets Patriots games, but you know, our contact in the last few years has, has been non-existent. So I am looking at this, you know, from a distance with the perspective of, of knowing him. And it just, it seems the thing that drove him all those years was, you know, being all in and expecting his teammates to be all in and, and being a hundred percent accountable and, and, and being the driving force behind his teams and being a great leader. But when you, when you evaluate that he left training camp for 10, 11 days, you know, I assume he went on vacation with his family. Um, maybe that was something promised when, he told his wife that he was going to unretire after about 30 days. They had maybe already planned a trip and he couldn't go back on that. Um, um, and then last weekend for him to be in New York for Robert Kraft's uh, wedding reception uh, and then fly on his own to Pittsburgh and meet the team there. So whatever meetings he would have missed on Friday afternoon and a walk through on Saturday in the scheme of things, it really doesn't mean that much in terms of did it, impact the way he played on Sunday? I don't think so. The guy's been doing this forever. Uh, a Saturday morning walkthrough is not going to really influence how he plays, except it's just a bad look. And I don't know what they're thinking in that locker room that this guy who is always preaching commitment and being held accountable has now twice since training camp started left the team um, during when they're practicing and meeting. And um, I, I just think he's got so much going on in his life now, and obviously with the things that you read about uh, his marital problems, he just doesn't seem to be as as focused on football as he has in the past. And, and he had set such a high standard for that, Mark, that any little deviation from that seems seems monumental. And then you look at it like they're not as good. Um, they've had a lot of problems keeping their wide receivers healthy. They're, defensively, they've had a lot of problems. Um, I don't know how much the change from Bruce Arians to Todd Bowles has affected the team, but um, Todd was not successful as a head coach in New York and uh, didn't have a quarterback and didn't have a great team by any means. Um, now he takes over a team that won a Super Bowl two years ago, and, and they're struggling like a lot of teams in the NFL. Do you, um, uh, the, the whole stuff with the Dolphins and everything, I, it, mm-hmm. I'm curious. It, and, and again, you wrote the Manning Brady book, so maybe this is an unfair comparison. It seemed like Peyton found his space. He retired, he had things going on in, in entertainment and, and, and investments, all sorts of things. What is Tom afraid of? Is it like, I don't know what I can be without this addiction of football, and then the search, okay, I was in Tampa, maybe I wanted to go to Miami, but I settled to go to Tampa, now I think I want to go to Miami. What's happening there? Is he afraid of post-football? You know, I don't think so. He's, he's got a 300 job lined up with Fox that he can have any time he wants. Um, the comparison to Peyton is interesting. When Peyton retired, he could not play anymore. If you remember that 2015 yeah. season, you know he was along for the ride in the playoffs. He couldn't throw the ball anymore, and um, and that de- the defense won the game for them. And he got to go out. And now people just remember, oh, you know, Peyton Manning and John Elway went out winning a Super Bowl in their last year in their last game. It was completely different. John Elway could still throw it, and he could still play. He just didn't want to anymore because he felt like 
his body was breaking down, but physically he had another year left in him. Peyton didn't have another game in him. And now when you look at Brady, I mean, it's he's defying whatever to be playing at the age of 45 and I still think he's, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the league. I just don't think the team is as good. But when we evaluate him, we're, we're looking at, is he all there mentally? You know, is, is, he, is he really committed like he has been in the past? I don't think physically he's lost anything this year. He's still throwing it really well. Um, and, you know, Mark, I, I still go back to, and this is a long time ago, but I still go back to his days at Michigan. We sat on the bench for three years, and once he got to play, he never wanted his backup to take any first-team snaps. And he basically became addicted to football. And he's having a hard time. I don't think he's concerned about what he's going to do afterwards as much as he thinks, I still have something to give, and I'm still playing well. And I'm, you know, with his diet and his workout regimen and everything, he's still feeling really good physically. But it's just two components here to it. It's the physical aspect, which I think he's fine, but then it's it's the mental aspect of the, the you know football season is long. I know it's it's only seventeen games over eighteen weeks, but then you have training camp and all the meetings and all the practices. I mean, it can really wear you down, and it just seems to me that with all the things going on in his life, all his business interests, the fact that he did come to the decision to retire uh, at one point in the offseason, I, I just question whether he really still wants to be there. And, um, I mean, it's too late now. There's no turning back. He's got to get himself through the season. But, you, you know, based on how he's conducted himself in the past, this year is certainly different. Let me shift uh, to uh, the two New York teams and what has mm-hmm. happened. Let me start first with the Jets, and we'll get to the Giants and talk also about your book next year. But uh, Robert Sala made a comment not too long ago when he was uh, barking back at his critics that I'm keeping receipts. I don't know if he can bring the mm-hmm. box in just yet, but what has been the difference of now a 4-2 and two team uh, that was impressed, uh, impressive by going to Green Bay after the Packers lost to the Giants and to go play like they did uh, and, and and to win. So what is the difference of the Jets right now? Well, the first three victories that they had were over backup quarterbacks. Um, so we, we were kind of looking at that with a little bit of grain of salt, like what happens when they play somebody, a quarterback who's really good. Well, they did that the other day. Now, the Packers aren't as good, and maybe Aaron Rodgers has taken a little step backwards, but it's still Aaron Rodgers, and that was a really impressive victory. And what people don't realize um, the Jets have a lot of really good young players. And that happens when you draft as high as they have uh, for so many years. Now, they, they've had some drafts that have been bad, and you know certainly Sam Donald being the third pick in the draft did not work out, and we're still trying to figure out what, exactly what Zach Wilson is. But they have a lot of really good young players all over the roster. They've made some good free agent signings. And... Um, and the division has come back to them a little bit. The Patriots aren't as good as they were, obviously. And uh, Miami, you know, looked like it was rolling for a while, and two got hurt, and that whole thing. And you wonder where they're at. Uh, Buffalo is the best team in the league right now. But, you know, the, the Jets are. If the Jets weren't getting better, then you really have to wonder what's going on here because they do have, like I keep saying this, 
they have a lot of really good young players. I mean, that any team would be happy to have. So uh, I, I think I, I'm telling people, Mark, that it's the first time in a long time in New York that the football season is not going to end before the baseball season. <laughs> because, you know, by the time the Yankees usually go fairly deep into the playoffs, we're done playing. The two local teams are usually two and six. And now one is five and one and one is four and two. And, um, you know, combined um, over the last five years, they tied for having the worst record in the NFL. The two New York teams had the worst record in the NFL. Each had the worst record in the NFL over the last five years, which is pretty amazing. Let me ask you about the Giants. Sometimes I think we overdo it. People talk about culture and organic mm-hmm. growth and all sorts of things, and I get nauseated by it. But I think there may be a case, after McAdoo, Shermer, and Judge, that Brian Dable <laughs> just seems to have won players over, and to some degree it can lead to a change in culture, whatever you want to call it. I don't know if the Giants are as talented as their record. I think there's some nice pieces there. I don't mm-hmm. know if Daniel Jones gets another contract or whether he gets tagged next year. But it looks as if Dable has a team that cares about playing for him. Give me your view on why the Giants are 5-1. and one. Well, I think that he's, he's very popular with his players, and that was the case in Buffalo as well. And that always doesn't translate into victories. But he won them over late in the first game of the year in Tennessee when he went for two down one in the final minute, uh, and they got it. Now, if if the Titans hadn't missed a field goal pretty much at the buzzer, that might have been forgotten that he went for two. But the fact that they they made it and then the field goal was missed and the Giants won the game, he completely won over the locker room by having faith in them and, and telling them by that action that he believed in them. And it's just, it's carried over on a week-to-week basis. You know, you're right. The Giants, you know, their roster is still... Got a very long way to go. The Jets have a much better roster than the Giants do. Um, Giants have gotten almost nothing out of their wide receivers this year, which makes it amazing that they're five and one, considering how important it is to be able to throw the ball the way the rules are in the NFL these days. But um, you know they're, they're, they're playing much better in the second half, um, which is, is one of the keys to winning games. And um, they're they're playing good defense. And, and Daniel Jones. You know, he's now in his fourth year, and he's yet to have a solid offensive line or a really reliable receiver. And I'm not even talking about a game-breaking receiver, but just a reliable receiver that defenses have to game plan against. He doesn't have any of that. And he's won five out of six games. He throws it really well. He's a great athlete. I mean, we've seen him run. He can run it as well as any quarterback in the league. Um, and he's he's a smart guy. He went to Duke. You know, so... I think he's got a, you know, he has a lot of the skill set that you want in a quarterback. It's just, as John Maris said in January, the Giants have done everything to screw this kid up for the first three years. And I think he's, that was a really honest statement. Um, now he's getting really good coaching. I mean, Joe Judge didn't have a coach offense, and he had Jason Garrett, um, who got run out of Dallas. And, um, as his offensive coordinator. He's had a bunch of offensive coordinators. Now, you know, he's got Dable and Mike Kafka, who was um, in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes and learned a lot by being there. And um, he's working around the deficiencies 
offensively, and probably the key to the season, I haven't mentioned him yet, is that Saquon Barkley is running like he did as a rookie a few years ago. He's just been really hampered by injuries the last three seasons, but he looks he looks like a young pup, a young pup now. I mean, he's got such quickness, and uh, and his speed is back, and his cutting ability is back, and they're using him out of the backfield too. That he's been the offense so far. Uh, Gary Myers with us, the veteran NFL writer. Twenty twenty three September, uh, the next book. Once a giant, a look back at the eighty six uh, Giants. I admit selfishly, it's one of my favorite teams. Uh, I'm not quite sure that team has uh, that much better receivers than Daniel Jones right now when you really peel it back outside of Mark Bavaro. But what was so unique about 86? Clearly they won the Super Bowl 14-2. and um, That had you say, I, I want to go back and go through this journey, and what can we expect in the book next year? Well, Mark, it, it's not so much a, a look back at the season. Because that, that, that was done a lot mm-hmm. right after 86. There was a lot of books that came out about that team. <clears throat> What, what I'm doing here, and I'm, I'm about 70% done writing the book, um, it, it's called, you know, uh, Once a Giant, the story of, I'm trying to remember this, the story of uh, victory, tragedy, and life after football. It's more about how that team be, formed this unusual bond that was fortified by them winning a championship together, and how over the last 36 years, they stayed very close. They take the guys that need help, the guys that are in position to help, are always there for them. You know, led by Harry Carson and George Martin. Uh, and there's a lot of success stories that have come off that team, but a lot of really sad stories um, that accentuate what retired players face um, in their life after football. And that's become such a huge issue now, as you know, um, mainly in the concussion conversation, but there's more to it than that. These players are not only suffering physically, but mentally and financially as well. And, you know, I've talked to uh, a countless number of players from that team, and I'm trying to incorporate the best stories into this book. And uh, I also think it's kind of an important book, because although I'm focusing on one team, it really kind of outlines what every player is going through. There's nothing special about what these Giants are facing um, in their post-football life. I think every team has similar stories. I just decided to focus on one team um, because I thought that would be the most interesting way of doing it, but I've wanted to write a book about life after football for a while Mm. and tying it together with this team and how this bond is very unusual. I've been around a lot of Super Bowl champion teams and stayed in touch with a bunch of the players. The the, the Giants, the bond that they formed uh, in 1986 uh, and the bond that they had going into that season that was strengthened by the championship uh, has carried on for almost four decades, and I find that to be incredibly unusual. Uh, and we look forward to it uh, next September. One of the great stats, though, of that team, Sims had more picks mm-hmm. than touchdowns that year. He threw 22 picks and 21 touchdowns. This day, we asked for him to be benched. <laughs> but, but you remember, many of those fall games, was still handed I, I off, just, right? <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, in his career, Joe Namath threw more in oh, yeah. than touchdowns. Yeah, so, but, but you remember that 86 season, the Giants played so many cold-weather games with Phil. Give it to Joe Morris, and we'll allow the defense, uh, you know, 
and, and that group to just stop people. And the Giants' second half of the season typically did that and blew out the three opponents in the playoffs. But, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Just and, and they won the, the championship game on special teams because Sean Landetta, if you remember how yeah. windy it was that game, uh, Sean Landetta was able to get his punts to cut through the wind. And on the other side, uh, Phil McConkie was able to catch everything. And Parcells always would refer to that kind of stuff as hidden yardage by McConkey catching the ball instead of letting it bounce and maybe roll another 15 yards. He at least was able to catch it, even if he didn't get a good return out of it. Um, so um, they, they won. That was just a great team. I mean, they had a great defense. They ran the ball really well. Uh, Sims really didn't do anything in the first two playoff games, which was a 49-3 to game against the 49ers and then 17 nothing against the against Washington but he, he nearly pitched a perfect game in the Super Bowl oh, yeah. 22 for 25 oh, yeah. um, a lot of great things has ha- have happened in Phil's career because of that Super Bowl starting with him being the first guy to do the Disney commercial right after the game indeed uh Gary is uh on Twitter uh at Gary Myers and why that's M Y E R S and again the book once a giant comes out September 23 we'll have him back to talk about it Gary thanks as always good catching up I appreciate it no problem, Mark. Take care. Thanks for having me on. Busy 11 o'clock hour. Kicks off with Scott in the News next. Let's really do the news. Yes. Now it is time to do the news. But now it's time uh, for the news. 11 o'clock hour, WYJM. I know WJR, HD2, Cocoa Beach. I know sports later. Scott, who did a morning workout, is here with the news. What up, my news head? Yeah. What's right. going on, yeah. everyone? Another edition of the award-winning news segment. Okay. Got another plaque in the mail yesterday for this segment, Mark. I don't think it's true. You can think that, but you're wrong. First up in the news, Gleyber Torres stepped on second base for the final, swinging his arms back and forth four times in all while glaring at Josh Naylor in the Guardians' dugout. Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge rocked Cleveland with early homers, and Nestor Cortez and the Yankees rolled into another American League championship matchup with the Houston Astros. Unfortunately, uh, for reasons, the Astros are already up one one game in the what? series. Yeah, what happened? They just uh, they just took care of some stuff. Well, we'll see about that. Let's Cole, go. Cole going. Cole. 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 Game one. You got your rotation uh, figured out? No, he's not going. Why not? You pay him all that? You pay him $50 million a year? He's not ready for game one? No. Waste of money. The Astros are minus 190 favorites tonight. Yeah? With Verlander. We'll check his glove. <laughs> what the hell's going on there? Talk about the elixir this guy's taking. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown each scored 35 points, and the Celtics beat the 76ers 126-117 on Tuesday night in the NBA's season opener. Malcolm Brogdon added 16, and Grant Williams finished with 15. As so you think he's legit? Verlander? He missed all of 21. Well. 18-4, and 1.75 ERA. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, when you... Check the spin rate on that. Well, whatever he's taking, Mark... Maybe have Garrett Cole and Nestor, all of your guys do it too. Then, well, anything's allowed at Houston, so we'll bring back the you know the the rosin bag and the sandpaper and everything. Buzzer, lose it. Yeah, let's go. Uh, defending Eastern Conference champions gave interim Joe Mazzula a victory in his debut on a night the team honored the legacy of Bill Russell. How many career wins do you think for Justin Verlander? He's two eighteen, two forty four. 
How many 21 seasons in Justin Verlander's career? Four. Two. Oh, wow. And I think, joking aside, Justin Verlander's been incredible. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's he, a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, once he gets into the eighth inning, he's topping like 99 100. Yeah. Meanwhile, on the other coast, Steph Curry began the season with 33 points, seven assists, and six rebounds. Despite a slow start, and the Warriors beat LeBron James in the Lakers 123 to 109 on Tuesday. Season records 14 and 11, ERA 3.62. It's decent, I guess. After receiving their championship rings in a pregame ceremony. Can I just talk? I want to bring up something that you and Keith talked about um, during his weekly interview. Okay. About the Warriors. Yeah. And about how it's. What is it? It's going to cost them $480 million in taxes alone. It's pretty high. Why doesn't the league, like, I know, like, player movement's, like, the biggest thing in the NBA, but, like, they should not have to pay a a tax for retaining their own talent. Why not? Because they're doing it. They're doing it in the means that you put in place. They are keeping the players that they drafted and developed. But the purpose of a salary cap is to basically say you can do that. But then you'll be penalized for doing things the right way, for not blowing up your team, for not tanking. There's a longer answer than the time has here because you're getting into. But you the, like you understand my point, my question, I do, but right? There's, but but there's a salary cap model and formula that you put in place designed to create competitive balance for the most part. Uh huh. Um, Which doesn't exist in this And yes, league. you are right that there is a model going, wait, we drafted these guys, developed these guys, we're being penalized for signing these guys, but the argument is you have. What is somewhat of a hard cap, but clearly you can prove in the NBA how you go over it. Um, so it, it's a fair question to ask, but it is part of the salary cap model. NFL owners voted 31-1 to 1 on Tuesday to permit the Compensation Committee to open negotiations on a new contract with Commissioner Roger Goodell, but not before two of the league's most powerful owners, Dallas Cowboys' Jerry Jones and New England Patriots Robert Kraft and engage in a heated exchange. Sources said Kraft joined the overwhelming majority in strong support for the measure with Jones, the lone dissenter in the owner's only session, eventually telling Kraft, don't, don't believe with mess me. with me. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? How about that? Do you believe that happened? Yes. You think Jerry was loaded up on scotch when it happened? Scotch and whiskey. Yeah. What do you think? Scotch and whiskey? What do you think? What do you want with that scotch? How about some whiskey? <laughs> no, I was saying two different, two separate glasses. Oh. What do you think the food spread is in that room? Oh, it's good. It's really good, isn't it? Yeah. He 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 wants more of a incentive-based salary for Roger Goodell. And Jones, if you believe the report, is on an island by himself. There's 31 owners had no problem by setting up a new compensation package. Meanwhile, for the first time, an NFL owner publicly has called for serious consideration to remove Washington's Dan Slander from NFL ownership. Indianapolis Colts owner Jim Ursay had an explosive interview scrum at the fall meetings and called Slander's missteps as owner, particularly with worse workplace misconduct, gravely concerning. Quote, I believe there is merit to removing him as owner of the Commanders. There's consideration that he should be removed. He'll be fined. Ursay? Yep. Of course he will. Can't speak out against one of your own. Can't speak out against the league. Right. The commanders, I'm sure at the edict of Daniel Snyder, were quick to send out a statement. How about that statement? Going after Ursay. Mm-hmm. And even though Ursay probably is not alone 
among NFL owners feeling that Snyder should sell the team. Mm-hmm. You can do what he did, and he'll probably be fine today, tomorrow. Okay. You know, you and Mike put on your conspiracy hats last Friday um, on the bridge, because on Thursday was when Al the Michaels... The story? Well, there was the ESPN story, Yeah, and you guys both believe that the NFL... Provided information for them to do the story. Great and, investigative reporters, mm-hmm. they still do good work, but I think the NFL was kind of behind a lot of the information. Do you think uh, the league went to Ursay and said, we need one of you to no. public... Okay. No. Because they don't want there to Bad seem like there's... business to do that. It's a distraction. Um, no, I don't think uh, they wanted Ursay to be the voice for that. Okay. That's it on the news. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. Go there and leave us a five-star rating. This is a five-star segment. Uh, shout out to all the news heads out there. We appreciate it. Hope you guys are all staying warm out there. It's, it's free- going to be like 74 degrees today. It's freezing. It is freezing. Right now, it right now? 56. Is did you like press reset? On yes, I did. Yeah, 56. Yeah, okay, so it's nice. Freezing. Freezing. Gloomy. Gloomy. And you know what? I bet I bet a bunch of the people in the audience probably had the tire pressure warning light pop up because cold temperatures that usually happens. Ah, that long line at Wawa. <laughs> yeah. Just put in a second one. Just put in a second air compressor. Nothing like you pull up and you're like, oh, great, I got to wait. You're like, like three deep. Because you're the only three. And then you don't know where every... There's no proper line. You're like, oh, come on, because you're the only one that should be allowed to get air. Anybody else like, oh, you can't get air when I need air. I mean, I guess, if anything, it's one of the other benefits of doing the early morning spin classes. Whenever I get that Mm -hmm. air thing, yeah, and then you check all four, right? Yeah. I'm like an F1 crew. I'm in and out in like, oh, yeah, I'm in and out. I'm not the... Like, if you're not taking the cap off before you pull up, I have no respect for you. Oh, I forgot to tell you this. On the way to the Rocky Horror Picture Show party on Saturday night, we're driving over there and discover uh, a spider walking across uh, the dashboard of my car. Inside? Yes. In Mark, Those let me just... things give birth to, like, millions of spiders. And let me just tell you, Mark, it was anywhere between the size of a nickel to, I don't know, an iguana? Yeah. Yeah. I almost thought, it's your car now. Right. I don't... We got him, but I don't know. Like, is that the only one? Uh, can I just read to you? Because I looked this up. Yeah. The average female spider's egg sac holds 100 eggs, but some larger spiders as much as 200. Okay. So when they drop those things, mm-hmm. you better hope that that wasn't a female spider that yeah. was about to release. Because then you have, based on this map, 7,000 spiders yeah. in your car. What, are you saying I should bug bomb my car just in case? Did you ever have to do that? No. I did that years ago. Intentionally? Yeah. How did that go? It was a long time ago, but I had ants. Mm. Like a food product that, that I didn't know, and you came yeah. back one day, and it's like ants all over the place, mm-hmm. and you can't just like take a towel and wipe it up. So it put off a bomb. Wow. A bug bomb in the car. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. That it? That's it! Uh, movie Wednesday uh, with a little spin on it that we'll get to next. Ah, yes, indeed, boys and girls. Time for a little movie Wednesday for the latest what's happening in the big screen here. Small handheld device to watch your favorite movies. Don't watch movies on your phone. Watch them on television. I mean, an iPad is a, a more acceptable for me. Notice he didn't mention a theater. 
I mean, go to a theater. Uh, yeah, go uh, to a, yeah. Uh, you should always go to the theater, support your uh, local movie theaters. No matter how you look at the numbers, Halloween Inns had a good opening weekend. Touted as the final showdown between Laurie Stroud and Michael Myers, the slasher pick earned $41.3 million in ticket sales. Which is very impressive because, Mark, I'm sure you know this, it was also right there on Peacock as well. Uh, no, Scott, I didn't know that. But, you, but you're paying for it. A peacock? No. What? How do you watch Premier League games? I don't. Oh, oh, uh, well, there's yeah, another. You got some ways? There's a, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Somebody did send me a Sky Sport uh, <laughs> sign in. Yeah. It was Halloween Ends followed by Smile, which picked up another $12.4 million. Mm. Think I'm going to go see it this weekend. All right. But, Mark, the bigger thing is the movie at number nine. Number nine. It is a movie called Terrifier 2, which brought in 800. There was a one. Which made $850,000. Do you know anything about Terrifier 2? Um. Uh, no, but I have a feeling you're going to tell me now, and it, it, what is it, some, like, slasher movie? It is a movie that costs $250,000, it was a crowdsourced movie, mm-hmm. and apparently it is so gory, grotesque, that people are fainting, vomiting in the theater, okay, leap- so, so I just read a brief... Synopsis? After being resurrected by a senator entity, Art the Clown yes. returns to Miles County where he targets a teenage girl and a younger brother on Halloween night. Yes. Apparently, and... it's causing people to to pass out during the movie. They're so terrified. And uh, what, you're interested in this? I Not really. That's the thing. And, of course, I just clicked on the trailer. I have not watched a trailer. You know me, I do not I'm like... I'm not able to uh, listen to the trailer. You know me, I do... And I'm out of the trailer. Okay, yeah. Yeah. there we go. You know Thanks me. Thanks for coming, everybody. I am not a clown person. Will not finish the trailer. Good call. Okay. Elsewhere in the movie world, Black Adam is coming to theaters to change the hierarchy of power in the DC Extended Universe. I didn't turn it off. Oh, man, who watches this movie? Not me, but apparently enough people that it's made. Oh, come on. (laughs) Oh, my God. During an interview with producers both. Hold on. Hold on. I'm just holding my computer up. That's Art the Clown. That's Art the Clown. Oh, come on. Who's going to. What is wrong with you people? And apparently, Mark, it's been so successful, they're going to make a three and four. How do I get rid of the. History of Just this. get rid of Not the computer. For, yeah. you, a new computer. Not because of any bad sites have been. You gotta go. To, you I gotta get a new computer now. At this point. Oh God. Apparently, Black Adam um, uh, was almost an R-rated film. This is The Rock's new movie. Yes, uh, because of an unprecedented amount of violence. While the producer's commitment to the source material is commendable, it almost cost Black Adam the PG-13 rating. As Flynn said, it took four rounds with the uh, ratings board just to get PG-13. Uh, I think maybe four or five weeks ago, it was definitely a close call. I have no. The thing is, I have no interest in seeing. This I don't. Movie. You don't like The Rock. I but, don't like The Rock. But, but but it also doesn't look like a very good movie. Apparently, there's no story. Will it's it do just, well, or just him doing rock things, a one-liner, beating people up, superpower? Basically, that's what the. From what I've gathered in the reviews, that's the plot of the movie. Okay. Um, I think it'll do well just because of name recognition alone. Okay. Uh, by the way, uh, trailer dropped yesterday. 
Four. Check it out. Creed 3. Oh, I well, wait, wait. That was on um, uh, the baseball game last night. It wasn't? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Creed 3. Uh, Michael B. Jordan uh, returning as Adonis Creed uh, with a match against a long-lost friend. Uh, it also is his directorial debut uh, for Michael B. Jordan. And I, I do not believe that you've liked these. I don't like I'm not a boxing movie fan. I've actually. Oh, oh I thought you did see Creed. No. 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 Well, and it doesn't. I've got do, confused with somebody else. I do not believe that Sly Stallone is in this one at all. Okay. Yeah. I think he said the character is done after Creed 2. By the way, is that, uh, is that show of his, uh, Tulsa, whatever it's called, getting good reviews? Pretty good, yeah. Okay. You going to check it out? No. You're not a Yellowstone guy, correct? Not anti. Just again, I can't watch all these shows. Well, it's, I believe it's, I'm more important than anybody else. I mean, that, I'm more busy than anybody else. I just uh, there's there's so much content out there. It's that guy. This is the 17th show that he's working on. Oh, okay, uh, Taylor Sheridan. Okay. I don't think it's. I don't think that shows in the Yellowstone universe. I know they're doing a lot of that, but he's just so involved um, with a lot of different things. Uh, last bit of news: your guy. Harrison Ford, my guy. You're a big Harrison Ford fan. Okay. Joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He'll be taking over the role of General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross, beginning with the Phase 5 picture. That's a great wrestling name. Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. Oh, God. Uh, The movie Captain America New World Order. Uh, He will be taking over the role after. uh, William Hurt passed away earlier this year. He had been the one uh, portraying that role. Mm. Okay. Well, this gets you to watch a Marvel movie. I'm not anti-Marvel movies. Again, I uh, mm-hmm. you know I don't like coming in late. What do you mean? They went late. There's only like thirty of them you have to get through to be caught up. Thirty? Yeah, only thirty. Thirty. Only thirty. I think there's too many for them to do the marathon in the theaters. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's what I got. So yesterday, I I, I told Scott I was going through Twitter and I clicked on something. And, oh wow, that movie. And I went down this wormhole and uh, had an idea for movie Wednesday today of your top ten high school movies. Mm. And I sent Scott an email. I go, hey, come up with your own list as well. Now I didn't even, now I didn't tell you any criteria. No, you didn't. You... So, so for my criteria, mm-hmm. I tried to make the school part of it, yeah, matter. There's yes. just some movies where, hey, they're in high school, but it's nothing to do with the and, school. And I kind of did the same thing. It was like, okay, well, that doesn't really have much to do um, with school. For example, mm-hmm. like you could you could classify it as uh, a high school movie, but like Grease, Grease is a great musical. Yeah. I didn't view it as like a high school movie. Well, Plus, everybody that's supposed to be 16, 17, 18 is like 30, 35, and 40 yeah. in the movie. Because I, I, I was like, I was like, oh, you know, do I put Scream on this list? And I'm like, they're in high school, but high school isn't a, isn't a part of the story. Right. Okay. You want me to go first? Sure. We go in at 10 to 1? Like, do you want to oh. do your 10? I do my oh, 10? Oh, wow. And then if we have any crossover, oh, then we can. Oh, this is great. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number 10. Yeah. Number 10 on my list of uh, best high school movies, American Graffiti. Mm, okay. It's a, a phenomenal movie. Um, and, uh, again, you know one of my big criteria of teen or high school movies is you can connect to somebody in the movie. Yeah. You're like, oh, I think it was that guy. And your friends go, no, you were not that guy. You were that guy. All right, that's my number 10. Go my ahead. number 10 is uh, The Faculty. 
which oh. is like an invasion of the body snatchers high school movie. Of course, Scott goes there. Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic movie. Number nine, American Pie. Oh wow, it's a very influential movie mm-hmm. for high schoolers. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my number nine, Breakfast Club. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. uh, number eight, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I thought about it. I do not have it on my list because I, I I know they're high school age. They're not in school. They're skipping school. Yeah, but that's kind of the part of it. Uh, my number eight, uh, Heather's. Oh, it's Heather's. That's the um, uh, Winona Ryder, Christian Slater, dark oh, comedy. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, number seven, Friday Night Lights. Okay. It's more than just football. This is true. Small There's town, a lot going trying on to get out movie. of there, yeah. and uh, you know, stuff like that. Good. Super bad. Made by uh, a list of 37 that I came up with. Are you not a fan of Superbad? No, no, no. It's on the list. At okay. some point, I had to pick 10. This is true. This is true. And by the way, without even looking up stuff, mm-hmm. I ripped off like 29. Yeah. And then go, oh, well, that one, that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six, Dead Poet Society. Okay. Yeah. Private school. Yes. I think it's Robin Williams, one of his best performances ever. That and Good Will Hunting? Absolutely. Uh, my number six, Bring It On. I thought about it. Not bad. I think, I think it's a fantastic movie. Hmm. Uh, number five, mm-hmm. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And I was wondering where you would have this on your list. Uh, mine is Clueless. Uh, okay. Which just actually rewatched right around the hurricane. Still holds up. And Paul Rudd still looks exactly the same. Okay. We're up to five? Uh, that was my number five. Did I give you five? Fast times. Uh, oh, 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 yeah, you're right. Okay, number four. And I uh, completely admit this is biased because I love the three o'clock high. I knew it. I I was wondering if you were going to have that three number one. High. It's so good. It's I, such a good movie. Mm. And the comedy part aside, it, it, it focuses on bullying, mm-hmm. picking sides. Uh, class system. I mean, it's a it's a great great movie. Yeah. Uh, my number four, Twenty One Jump Street. Really? Oh my god! I think this movies. I've never laughed harder than that movie. Wow. I mean, I have, but all right. Yeah. Uh, number three, Sixteen Candles. Mm. It's great. Yeah. It's a great movie. I mean, there's so many different characters. Are like, that's you. No, that's not you. That's you. That, mm. Oh, it it. it Great movie. Uh, my number three, Can't Hardly Wait. Really? Yeah. Number two, mm-hmm. Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> I the re- school's a big part of it. I remember how much that movie took over my junior and senior year of high school. Of everyone quoting it. The teachers, the still like. Which by then I had multiple kids, was having a second mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> refinancing my house. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Uh, my number two, 10 Things I Hate About You. Wow. All right. Love that movie. Love that movie. Yeah. My number one, you mentioned it, it, it is Breakfast Club. Yeah. And yours? Mean Girls. Mean Girls. You know, you've you've heard me talk about Mean Girls. It is one of my favorite movie favorite movies ever. It is in top five. I watch it once a year. It holds up every single time, even on rewatch. All right, there you go. Top ten high school movies. That was fun. We got to do these again. Uh, Let's do it next week. Our top ten favorite horror movies of all time. 
<laughs> ten? Ten. A stretch for me if you want to go to ten. Ten? I could do thirty. Uh, we get back two stories, both connected to college football. One that takes you back to an act of Congress more than 60 years ago. The other, you better be prepared because it's happening all the time. We'll explain next. To my big league cards, 924-36 in Casper, best card shop you'll find anywhere. Enjoy Big League's happy hour every Friday from 5 until 8. Pack Wars, price challenge, great daily deals, wheel spins, all sorts of fun stuff. That happens every Friday at Big League Cards. Learn more by going to BigLeagueCards.com. Yesterday, as the NFL owners are meeting, a little bit of media news came out. Still trying to figure out what to do with the Sunday ticket. I think when it's done, it may cost as much as SoFi Stadium. But it's true. Uh, you may have seen the story, Lake Scott, about a Black Friday NFL game starting next season. Yes. Do you know why this is significant? Because they've never played a game on Black Friday. So uh, you know, we have Sunday football. We have Sunday night football. We have Monday night football. We now have Thursday night football. We used to have Thursday night once in a while. Now we have it every single week, and Amazon's paying eleven quadrillion dollars for it. And yesterday, the National Football League announced that there'll be a Black Friday game. That's the Friday after Thanksgiving. And likely a 3 o'clock start. Seems like an odd time to do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a reason why. Because there's data that supports it? No. Uh, Let us take you back. This is not really a history lesson like we typically do, but I do want to take you back to something. Um, In 1961... In 1961, the NFL signed a contract with CBS to televise games that season. It was the first of its kind as opposed to teams signing their own TV deals in their local market. That's how the media used to work back then. The Giants or the Bears would go to their local TV stations and sign, hey, you want to broadcast our games. But uh, Pete Rozelle, the commissioner, had an idea. No, no, it's going to be good for us. We'll sell it across the board. Um, he thought it would also help small market teams like the Green Bay Packers to compete with markets like New York and Los Angeles. We're going to pull our TV revenue. But the Justice Department wondered about the legality of it. Antitrust issues came into play. Federal Judge Alan Grimm mm. struck down the deal in July of 1961, saying it eliminated competition among teams in the sale of TV rights. Rizal upset, angered by it. The American Football League had signed a similar deal with ABC. The government, though, did not challenge that deal because the AFL was not an established league. And back then, people didn't think it would stick around. Roselle had been commissioner for a short time. He goes to Washington. We're trying to get some help and say, hey, come on, man. I, you know, two and a half months later, two and a half months later, Roselle got what he wanted. And it changed television and the National Football League forever because it began the process of pooling revenue. What does it have to do with a, a Black Friday game next year yeah, in 2023? Get to, the, get to the point, Daniel. This was the creation of the Sports Broadcasting Act in 1961. Among many things in the Sports Broadcasting Act includes something quite significant. It basically told you 
when the National Football League could play games because part of the trade-off to give Rizal what he wanted was, all right, Pete, we'll give you this, but we got to protect a couple of other things. What is that? College football and high school football. In the 60s, you still had a majority of high school football games played on Friday, but you had a lot of places that couldn't afford lights. They played Saturday morning or early Saturday afternoon. So the Sports Broadcasting Act of 1961 said, all right, Pete, you can get this deal, but you got to avoid playing games on certain days and times. And the Broadcasting Sports Broadcasting Act of 1961 says, the broadcasting prohibition begins on the second Friday in September and ends on the second Saturday in December. That is why you don't see NFL games played on Saturday during what you know is the regular season in college football. They play them when? After the regular season in college football is done, you get those Saturday NFL games in December. And the band covers Friday nights for high school football. The law recognized the night to begin at what time? Six o'clock. It basically said you cannot start a game which the majority of the game would go past 6 o'clock. So if the game kicks off at 3 o'clock next year, Scott, guess what? It falls within the guidelines. Mm. Because the NFL typically does not play games on a Friday, but the league is going to take advantage of that window. You don't want to kick off too early. You want to get a bigger audience, and they will at 3 o'clock. That becomes competition to what? To college football's 3.30 slot now on Friday, yeah, which had been... Including games on CBS, ABC, ESPN, Fox, FS1, and here comes the NFL starting next year. The NFL's become a thorn in college football scheduling world because an expanded playoff, instead of three playoff games, 11 playoff games, creates a little bit of a problem if you're college football and says, well, we want to get some prime slots to play. I don't think there's going to be a challenge of the Sports Broadcasting Act to go, hey, can we add some Saturdays in December? But it is interesting to see what college football does when it goes to 12 teams and has two weekends of eight teams playing four games. The first round, meaning 5, 12, 6, 11, 7, 10, 8, 9. Then the next round of 1, 2, 3, and 4 playing somebody and four games. Well, the NFL ain't giving back Saturdays in late December. That will get interesting, by the way, for college football. But the announcement yesterday made made some people go, wait a minute, Friday, oh, that's right. The Sports Broadcasting Act talks about nights, not afternoons, where the National Football League cannot play. A story to follow. Yesterday, yesterday, Pat Forty, who writes a... Well, a number of things for Sports Illustrated. But as his 40, get it, 4D, not 4T, 4D, uh, yard dash in college football. Had an interesting note uh, in one of his pieces that uh, says the following. Not long ago, Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan picked up his phone and called a fellow AD to inform him of something that had transpired. A collective tied to other AD schools had tampered with one of the Utah players. Quote, we had a player who was offered, I believe, about a million dollars to pull him over to another team. Listen to what he was saying, according to 40. A collective tied to other ADs, uh, a school, reached out and said, hey, give about a million bucks to come over here. 
As Forty writes, that AD Mark Collin at Utah called the AD, had a conversation. He's frustrated. Everybody's frustrated because, quote, uh, this was a friend. It was a friendly call. It was just to say, listen, it happened. My colleague was embarrassed is not the right word, but he was frustrated and said that they're very much frustrated because of the landscape and without federal assistance and what to do. And also, listen, <laughs> um, my message to ADs is you didn't just open the tube of toothpaste and let a little dribble out. You opened it and sat down on it and outscored the toothpaste, and you cannot get it back in. Sorry. The ability of acting to set guardrails and rules in place existed for X number of years before we even got to last July. If you didn't foresee the potential situations when it came to name, image, and likeness and really pay for play, it kind of falls back on the O. And remember, even though you'll get 100% of athletic directors telling you they're all for name, image, and likeness and players making blank, most, not all, most are lying. Not all, most are lying. They did not want this. It was inevitable because of a ruling in court, then a Supreme Court ruling that followed the Alston case. Um, They didn't want any of this. Then they got it, and they're like, well, now I don't know what to do, and now I'll just uh, complain about it. If you don't think that there are collectives and third-party people that are speaking for coaches and assistant coaches contacting players and making them offers during the season... I don't know how deep the hole of sand that your head's been buried in. And you can say, well, it's not fair. And my answer is, life's not fair? And why isn't your team doing it as well? Well, there's a window when a player enters the portal. Yeah, I know. But if you don't like it, then get your fellow ADs together and your university presidents together and fix it and change it. You have a hard time doing that. But your biggest opponents at Utah and most schools are doing this now. Every football program at the FBS level with some relevancy, half, 60%, have on their staff people that have nothing else to do but monitor the portal and then monitor players they think may enter the portal and to aggressively decide who's worthy or not one big thing you've seen the last couple of weeks players announcing now hey i don't want to blow red shirt i played three games or four games and i'm going to enter the portal in december hey call me now college football in 2022 that just happened in florida like tuesday i think you had an offensive lineman yeah that opted to yeah and Heck, we had a high school football player this past week post on social media. He's stepping away from the rest of the season to prepare for college. Welcome to 2022. We wrap it up next. Time for the latest news, gossip, trends, and off-the-wall stories. Trends. That's the craziest thing I've heard. Great fight going on right now. James Harden uh, was given an assist and a shot that was partially blocked that then was picked up and shot in for a basket. The eighth assist would have brought the over on his assist last night, and Fandle after paying it, and then the stat sheet got adjusted to take the assist away, now mm. taking the money back from people <laughs> after paying out. 
not going over well right now on social media. I'm sorry. Uh, very quickly, give your 10 second review of the uh, Draymond Green documentary that aired last night. Didn't see it. Okay. What? Tone, he he reads his tone deaf. Oh, all right. Hey, uh, thanks for joining us today. See you tomorrow for a Thursday show. Scott produced. I'm Mark Daniels, the beat of sports.